You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2. Thank you for joining us, dear listeners. You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio, Channel 2, Nerd Noise Game Club. Today's broadcast is C2E12 for our Theme Thursday, either April 20th, 27th, or May 4th. It really just depends upon how, how focused I can be on getting the production done. Today's theme is music from houses and towns and anything that occurs in a house or a town on a program that we're calling House Music. And as always, I'm joined by Hugh. So, Hugh, how's it going? Ah, it's going pretty good. I'm pretty good. You know, it's springtime here. Uh, just got back from Midwest Gaming Classic the other week. Although I guess that was like a month ago by the time this is going to be out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, things are good. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your experience at Midwest Gaming Classic? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I did a, a little write-up of it. It's, uh, it's still a really good show. I mean, when I talk about it, I'll you know regularly mention things that have changed over the years and that, that's not really a complaint it's just the show has to keep evolving or it won't be interesting anymore mm -hmm. um it was very very crowded uh the past couple of years they had the misfortune of the event occurring during the middle of uh blizzards mm -hmm. uh, i guess last year wasn't a blizzard but it wasn't really great weather either this was a pretty nice weekend relatively speaking so i think a lot of people uh decided to show up at the last minute so it was very very busy um Tons of like new pinball games 
you know, like from vendors who are making a Scooby-Doo pinball and James Bond pinball and Toy Story 4 pinball, like a lot of that stuff. Uh, the, the part that was kind of crazy was the vendor hall uh, prices. They have like really gone over the top. Uh, I, I have a gallery of just some of the most like go home your trunk pricing that I saw there. <laughs> Do you, can you give us one example? Um, there were a few like not very good Sega CD games that they wanted a couple hundred dollars for. I didn't get a picture of it, but someone was selling Snatcher for $1,600. Wow. Okay. Uh, now, mind you, I got that game for nine ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. That's no, no. That's not go home. You're drunk. That's go drunk. You're home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. The the pricing was really like like, yeah, again, lots of crazy things that I I noted there. Um, but the other the other thing is because I think the supply of retro games is starting to dry up a bit. A lot of the vendors now are selling not video games. You know, they're selling video game themed backpacks or Dungeons and Dragons accessories or figures or posters or whatever. Like it's just a lot of new interesting stuff to look at. Okay. So do you, do you, would you personally, I can see the argument both ways and I think either, either way is valid, but do you personally feel this represents a net change for the better or worse? Uh, I don't, I don't think of it either way, really. I mean, there's just not a lot of games out there to buy, right? Okay. So you can't have a vendor hall that's just all people selling retro games for absurd prices. Like, that's just not, not going to be sustainable. Okay. Um, so I think it's good that there's other merchandise there. Okay. All right, I gotcha. I was really, really, really hoping to go this year. I kind of felt like this would be the year I finally make it, but it did not happen. Yeah, it's not too bad of a drive for you, I don't think. Um, and it's right, the location is right by the... Um, it's near the train station too. Okay. If you're so inclined. Okay. I, 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 I'm going to say it one of these years, I'm going to make it, but we'll see. I've been saying that for a long time. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Well, so a lot. And I actually, you know, last episode I said, I, I forgot a bunch of stuff. I was going to make, start making notes for the top of show and bottom of show stuff. And I actually have made good on that. By the way, there is one piece of news that is among the bigger but I'm deliberately going to save it for later in the episode when it's uh, more relevant. So anyone listening to this, waiting to hear me like talk about something that's exciting to them, don't think I forgot about you for not bringing it up here in the intro. But so I guess a big one is I've been spending a lot of time with the Switch. You know, I uh, I played through Metroid Prime and I beat it. And this is this this is not the first time I beat Metroid Prime. Okay, but I beat it with like an 82% completion rate. I had every single energy tank. It must have been like missiles and stuff that I was missing, but but I beat it with a play time of 18 hours, zero minutes. So it was like right on the dot. That I thought that was pretty neat. So also, the Switch is kind of back for us in a way. Uh, you know, uh, Jody and August and, and even Wyatt have really got into like Hey, let's do family night with Mario Kart. Hey, let's, you know, let's buy Mario Party and do a family night. So the Switch has really kind of become the family system, you know, and I think that's great. I, um, I, I've said, I've said so many times, I, I, I suspect that I might possibly be autistic. And one of the things about that is very black and white thinking, given to being given to very black and white thinking. You know, I, one of my favorite self-coined phrases is even my grays are like chessboards as seen from outer space. You know, like really complex matrices of black and blacks and whites just zoomed out so far that they look gray. 
that uh, so it's very easy for me to fall into well this is my number one system this is my everything system and that's what the switch was from day one right and then the steam deck came along and all of a sudden this switch schmitz you know this steam deck is my everything now right and but i i really think that i'm happier happier and in a i guess a certain manner of speaking healthier to not have an everything system, right? Like I have all these systems, let's not let them collect dust so I can write Switch was here in them or Steam Deck was here in them, right? So I'm actually really happy that the Switch is, is I mean, look, if, we're, if we have to say John has number one system, it's still the Steam Deck, right? Mm -hmm. But we're not talking like 90% and everything else gets to fight for the 10. We're talking like, you know, maybe the Steam Deck is 40%. And everything else makes up the sixty percent, right? I just I think it's healthier. It's it's happier, and 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 I'm getting real use out of all these things that are all amazing things. Like, as I wait for Tears of the Kingdom, my gaming priority is going to be to try to finish Horizon Forbidden West on the PS5, right? So I'm going to be doing a lot of PS5 playing now. So anyway, that just it feels healthier, it feels happier, and and I can kind of get away from some of that unintentional fanboyism that that one is want to fall into. Speaking of Steam Deck news, though, I do have Steam Deck news. I um, The same day I ordered Tears of the Kingdom, the same day I pre-ordered Tears of the Kingdom on the Switch, I beat Cyberpunk 2077 on the Steam Deck. And that was a massive time investment. That it said it said I played for sixty one hours. Mm -hmm. So that's it's it's a it's a really massive game. You you have not played it, I trust. No, no, I, I have not. Um, I am not wait, which one? No, I've not. Definitely not. Okay. Okay. It's made by the same people who make The Witcher, so CD Projekt Red. Yeah, I also haven't played that, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, I did manage to play like 30 hours of Power Wash Simulator in the past couple months. <laughs> so there's... I, I only knew that because my, my kids, for whatever reason, think it's funny to see what I'm spending time on on the Switch Online. I have exactly two friends on Switch Online, and they're both my kids. Okay. Uh, and occasionally they'll be like, hey, why why did you play 30 hours of Power Wash Simulator? I'm like, eh, you know, there was this uh, mini golf course and it was really filthy. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. So after I beat uh, Cyberpunk, I, I went back to a Cloudpunk. You remember, I don't think I ever gave a proper shout out for this in the show. So um, it was a few episodes back. We were in the middle of recording and I got a pop-up on Steam saying... Uh, Baron PVC has gifted you Cloudpunk. Okay. Okay. Well, so it turns out Baron PVC is Philip Foxmonkey Vaughn. So uh, he's a long he's a he's a he's a good friend, longtime listener of the show, great fixture in the VGM podcast scene in general. Uh, really cool, really cool guy, and uh, he streams. So I'll put a link in the show notes uh, to to Fox's stream, but. It, it was because of him that I got to experience this. But thematically, Cloudpunk is like the kid sister to Cyberpunk. They both happen in this huge uh, urban cyberpunk dystopia, right? But Cyberpunk 2077 is really deep, and it really gets down into the granular aspects of, of life in, in Night City. Whereas Cloudpunk is basically a delivery service. You know, you're imagine something like Uber or, or uh, uh, Grubhub or even FedEx. And you're driving around in a flying car throughout this this uh, city called Nivalis. <clears throat> but it's it's voxel art too. So it's I mean they have like a lot of high quality lighting and stuff, but it's everything is voxel. So kind of like my, a higher resolution Minecraft, basically uh, cyberpunk dystopia. And Nivalis is gigantic. I mean like 
neither of these places are real places, but if they were real places, Nivalis would just dwarf Night City. Okay. It wouldn't be close. The story is a little, I mean, there's some really great points to the story. There's some really sketchy points to the story. The voice acting is very inconsistent, but it was still a great experience. And it felt like the perfect, the perfect follow-up, like the, like the c- cool down from cyberpunk is to, was to play Cloudpunk. So it was very good. I had been having problems. I, I've talked a number of times about how I am trying to set up, like get the whole Steam Deck de- uh, dock set up throughout the house. And I was fighting a problem where the signal would just cut out, you know, for a second or two at a time or a couple seconds at a time. And you almost might get like a period, you could play for like two or three hours and it wouldn't happen. But all of a sudden you get like, I guess I'd call it a storm where it just happens, 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 happens. Mm-hmm. And I think I finally solved the problem. It was the, I think it's the, it was the HDMI cable. <laughs> Right? Like, this is like one of those HDMI 2.1, like 18 gigabyte per second cable. So I thought, there's no way the cable's the problem. This is like a super beefy cable. The problem is it was like a 12 foot long cable. So it was like a super long cable. So when I put a shorter cable on it, it seems to clear the problem up. Uh, let's see. Last time we talked, my game, my big rig gaming PC was not working. Uh, it is working now. In fact, it's what I'm recording my side of the conversation on. Uh, Big Rig is back in business, but it is not using Ubuntu Studio. I, I'll save the backstory. I'm, I'm going on too long already, and I'm going to go on even longer, but I'll save the backstory for why I'm not using Ubuntu Studio. But it feels like a milestone for me as a Linux user to be uh, to break away from baby's first distro. Yeah. You know, like I don't. There was nothing wrong with Ubuntu Studio. I would recommend it to anybody, and maybe someday I'll come back to it on like a different computer. But um, the laptop is using KDE Neon, and the big rig, the one I'm recording on, is using uh, Garuda KDE Dragonized Gaming Edition. So it's based on Arch rather than Ubuntu. So and it's got a really wild. Uh, it's cut. It's KDE, but it's customized really crazy. It's I love. I love it. Let's see. I, I kind of I made these notes and then I kind of just ran out of order on them. So let's let's see what I have yet to talk about. Okay, a couple shout outs. First of all, the when we were talking Alien uh, Three on the the Game Gear in the last episode, I had talked about that special sound mode with the kind of more complex noise. I had forgot what that mode was called. And Rage Cage, uh, VGM uh, VGM podcaster, uh, he's composed music for video games. He's done a lot of chip tune, original chip tunes. He was just on our last episode, Channel One. Reminded me what that was called. It's called Periodic Noise. So that's what that feature is called. And the last update I have for the intro here is this is since this is our second episode of channel two where i'm using the sm7b i've had the luxury now to listen to how the sm7b sounds like in on channel two mm-hmm. and I, I feel like it actually is it actually makes an even bigger better difference for channel two than it does for channel one because everything just like locks into the pocket you know i've got that chesty sound in my voice and you know there's n- nothing is like too out of kilter it's it's i'd have a very hard time going back to the pod mic now that i've gotten more used to the sm7b so, okay. So I that over the river and through the woods. Uh, I'm done with my top of show business. Let's talk about your opening track. Well, for, actually, first of all, what inspired you to think of this? Because this episode is Hughes' pick for theme, and also he named this episode. And it's it's that ironic kind of ironically literal pun 
title that I love so much. I'm very proud of you for that title, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, what inspired you to to the, think of this theme for the episode today? Uh, you know, I I've always been a big fan of like RPG town music. Okay. And I, I kind of wanted to do a town music episode, but um, kind of out of uh, nowhere, I got the idea that house music would be a good title. Yes. Um, mostly because it would be deceptive, I think. Yes. And decided to focus more on like like home kind of music or things taking place in a house. And then when I was going through house games, I uh, stumbled over Luigi's Mansion, something I played 22 years ago now, I guess. Okay. And uh, definitely a retro game, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. By, by, that de- by almost any definition you can use. Um, I said, oh yeah, Luigi's Mansion had a couple really memorable tracks, but we're recording this in spring and a lot of them sounded very kind of Halloween-y, of course. And mm-hmm. then uh, bumped into the, into the track called Training, which is where you know, you're know you in the lab and Luigi's learning how to use all of his equipment. I'm like, oh yeah, this doesn't even sound like Luigi's Mansion. Right. It's um, really, this could be like, this is almost like a after-school job kind of music from a Persona game, like where you're working at like a, a, a burger place or something in Persona. If you've ever played those games, right? They they have you like get part-time jobs and stuff, or do different you know after-school bonding events, and a lot of them have music that sounds remarkably like this. Yeah, well, it sounds like a mini game uh, from either a PS1 or PS2 era game. You know, some something that's not. Kind of, it's kind of fun, frantic, mm-hmm. you know, like catch the falling things, right? I can hear that. This, by the way, and and this is a mild spoiler, but I, I don't feel too bad about this. This, yeah, there's no, there's no house music in our house music episode, and this track is the closest we're going to get all day to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, we already did sort of a dance music episode, so it doesn't yeah. seem like a right time to do actual house music. No, no, and th- you know this would have this track would have worked in that episode too. It would have, yeah. I was I was definitely not thinking about Luigi's Mansion when we were doing that episode. <laughs> right, right. Did we mention the composers for this? Uh, no, we did not. And I have too many windows open. One second. It is uh, according to the credits, uh, Kazumi Tokata or Shinobu Tanaka. Okay. Yep. And Kazumi Tanaka is all over the place. I think he's the one responsible for. My, I could be mistaken, but it's my sincere understanding that he is the person behind literally every piece of music for the Wii or Wii U system menu suite, like so, like the shop themes and okay. like the network screen and all that stuff. Okay, so well, this kind of sounds like that too. So I, I can buy. That. I could see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see it. Shinobu Tanaka is a, a name that I've I've run across a number of times before, but I'm not familiar with to the level that I'm familiar with uh, Totaka-san. But. Yeah, yeah, no, this is a great way to, and actually another thing, listeners, um, I am, I'm very, I'm very glad we decided, well, Hugh got the final call on this because this is his episode, but uh, we were of differing opinions on what track would make the best episode opener. And this, and you know, we went with this because this was his pick and he had the final say, but in retrospect, I'm actually really glad we went with this as the opener. I, the track I would have, I'll mention it when we get to that track, but it would have been a much more sedate kind of dreamy opening. Yeah. Uh, but this one really just kind of kicks things off with a bang and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And I think when you know the theme is about house and town music, you would expect something more uh, mild and there's definitely some more ambient or calming tracks later on. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. We're actually, I'm actually really proud of this, the sonic range we're going to achieve with this episode. We go a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. But you won't hear this level of uh, bombastic, bombast, bombast. You won't, okay, that's, a, you will not hear this level of bombast until the episode's closing track. So we kind of open with a bang and close with a bang. Is there anything else you want to talk about this track before we get to get to our uh, next one? No, no, I, I think we've done enough intro. Let's let's get rolling. <laughs> we've beat this intro well into the ground. Okay, <laughs> so my first track of the day is "Itchy and Scratchy" theme from The Simpsons, Bart's Nightmare, and I actually went with the Genesis version for this one. The composers are any mix of Dean Morrell, Mark Gaines, and/or H. Kinsley Thurber. So let's go ahead and check it out. Okay, and this is Itchy and Scratchy from Bart's Nightmare, Simpsons Bart's Nightmare on the Sega Genesis. You have played this game, I trust. Oh yeah, I think I was at least attempted to play this game. Um, I I don't know. I was not a fan of this game. It's um, it's got. I mean, it's kind of a neat idea, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these old Simpsons games are just uh, they just don't play very well. I think they, they're good at having a lot of uh, fan service references to the series, but then they throw in some stuff that has nothing to do with the series. <laughs> I don't think until uh, Simpsons Hit and Run, we got a really good Simpsons game. Okay. Well, I definitely feel that way about even earlier Simpsons games, like uh, Bart versus the Space Mutants. It's a neat idea, but it just the mecha- it mechanically is so clunky. But this one... I don't know this one. Okay, so first of all, we're uh, my nostalgia is all for the Super Nintendo version of this game. And actually, when I was planning this episode, my original plan was to feature the SNES version of this track. But it, I guess I could complain about both versions. You know, this version, <laughs> this version feels a little phoned in. Like it feels like it's not making really good use of the Genesis sound hardware, kind of real basic sound, uh, sound, sound uh, fonts. But the Super Nintendo one uses these really kind of 
edgy in a bad way samples, you know? So it, the Super Nintendo, so this one sounds kind of dull, but the Super Nintendo one sounds, well, itchy and scratchy <laughs> in not a good way. But yeah, so, but to speak about this game, I can really, I've, I've never played the Genesis version, just the Super Nintendo version, but it, it had this weirdness that, and when I first played it, it was very shortly after we got the Super Nintendo, which was Christmas of 92. So this would have been really early 1993 that we were playing this game and probably before my 13th birthday. So I would have been a 12, a 12 year old playing it. And it had this weird feel to it. You know, like I remember a, a show I listened to a long time ago, a, a, a VG talk pod. Uh, I listened to a long time ago where they were talking about the original Ninja Turtles game on the NES being a bad game. But as a kid, you didn't, you didn't, it didn't read as bad. It read as weird. Yeah. You know, and, and that's how this game read to me. But this game has an excuse. It's happening in a dream world. Like it's dreams. Dreams are supposed to be weird. Right. So, you know, Ninja Turtles is weird without an excuse. This is weird with a perfect excuse. <laughs> You know, it's a collection. It's almost, it's almost like a collection of mini games, isn't it? It is, yeah. And yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. It, like, I don't know. It seems like one of these games where they had a bunch of um, things assembled and they just stuck the first license that they they got on it. Okay, that could be. I mean, a lot of, I mean, you know, the olden days, the the Atari and, and television days. There are a lot of licensed games that really began as something different, and then they got the license and poof now it's this is now a he-man game right right yes yes yeah right no totally and i'm thinking of the intellivision he-man game and that 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 drum bo that bomb drop sound effect is one of the one of my favorite sound effects of that era it's just so ridiculous and over the top yeah i kind of did that backwards because i was i was really thinking of burger time 2 i think there's, there's a okay. sequel to burger time on the intellivision that was originally a he-man game but then they lost the he-man license and made it Burger Time instead. Okay. And, okay. of course, the D&D &D games, the Dungeons & Dragons games on television also come across like we were building this sort of adventure game and we happened to get the D&D &D license. Mm. Yeah, no, that was totally a thing back then. And, and that was not over. That was not over by the 16-bit generation. So that was still happening. Yeah, I would argue it could still be happening in this generation. It could. Yeah, it totally could be. Yeah, totally. So... The setup of the stage, so the game is you fall asleep working on your homework and then the homework pages billow out the window because it was open in the breeze. <clears throat> and then you jump out the window trying to catch the homework and then you end up in the dream world. There's a little miniature kind of micro overworld where you're walking the street <clears throat> and you try to get into these various mini games to collect homework pages. <clears throat> and in this particular one, which I believe is the yellow door, each each stage has its own color door, and I think this is the yellow door. You are in the Simpsons house, and you are being chased by Itchy and Scratchy, and they just keep coming at you with every weapon imaginable. I believe maybe even including, literally including the kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a it's a delightful it's a delightful stage. It might be one of my favorite stages in the game. So. I think that's I think that's everything I have to say about this. We're we're gonna start we're gonna go into a different musical mood now. Why don't you take us there? Uh, yeah, I uh, I'm going back to a game. One of our earliest episodes um, was uh, Games of the Quarantine. I don't know if you remember that, and it was about games we played during uh, the year year 2020. 
and mm -hmm. one of the games uh, I, I had on there was Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII. Well, just recently there was a remake of that game, and it's on everything that's available today. I think literally every system that exists today um, has, has a, some version of Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII now. And uh, okay. I pre-ordered that and played through it in uh, January and February this year, before you know I logged many hours of Power Wash Simulator, of course. <laughs> um, actually, Power, this game is a reason that I bought Power Wash Simulator, because uh, Power Wash Simulator has a Final Fantasy VII level. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that, that was what inspired me to get the game, was uh, Crisis Core. So I'm going back to Crisis Core again. Uh, this is a track called The Ominous Mansion, and this is a location you get to a little bit late in the game. Okay. Uh, again, multi-platform. The composer is uh, Takahiro uh, Ishimoto.
All right, yeah, Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII. This is a uh, controversial opinion, but I, I prefer this game to the original Final Fantasy VII. Okay. I have not played Crisis Core. Maybe that's not controversial. They're totally different battle systems, and the story in, I think, Crisis Core, it has a much better lead character. Okay. So I think that makes a big difference. And and without spoiling anything, you said the <clears throat> the main character of Crisis Core is a character that's referenced in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think most people know okay. the plot of Final Fan Fantasy VII before going into Crisis Core. Okay. Uh, and of course, the lead character of Final Fantasy VII is also in Crisis Core. And, and okay. many of the other main characters as well make appearances. Probably with a much, much higher poly count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was originally a, a PSP game. So it was mm -hmm. on something equivalent to PS2 hardware originally. Yeah. The yeah. remake is is a very, very uh, improved in the graphics department. I thought I thought the first game looked pretty good, uh, but this looks very, you know, it looks more like Final Fantasy 15. Sure. So a sincere question, because I don't know the answer to this. How does uh, Crisis Core's visuals translate on the Switch? Oh, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, it's probably okay. locked at 30 frames per second is my guess. Okay. Uh, but it looks, I think it looks great. It, it looks just like a PS4 quality game. Okay, neat. Neat. Cool. Now, you had mentioned <clears throat> that you featured Crisis Core in Songs of the Pandemic, which would be Season 1, Episode 1. You know what? It was actually Fast Music from Slow, or Fast Music for Slow Times, which is Season 2, Episode 1. Ah, okay. Well, I was close. So you... You you were well. I no. I love it. I love it. You were you got it was episode. It was the opening episode of a season of our show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I played this during during uh, 2020, so that's probably why I thought it was also a, a quarantine game. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I it's it's a no. I I, I actually love that. <clears throat> now, so let's talk about this music. It's a very minimal piano piece, but it's it's really dark. It is. Yeah. That, that's the setting. It's an it's an abandoned mansion. It's kind of haunted. Like, there's a, definitely some weird stuff in the mansion. And then, I, I don't want to go into the whole plot, but there's, you know, basements and all kinds of... There's eventually an area to explore. Mm -hmm. But originally, this is just an old, dusty mansion. And you have to solve a um, relatively simple puzzle to, uh, like, unlock the different rooms in the mansion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Having not played the game... Being familiar with Final Fantasy VII, <clears throat> I can imagine that it's very different than this. <clears throat> but not having played the game and only going on... <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice here. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, the uh, dusty old mansion thing with something creepy happening and something to figure out. It makes me What it makes me think of is the Creole house from uh, Season 4 of Stranger Things. You have seen Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, you know what, that's a, that's a pretty good comparison, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. God, I love Stranger Things. Anyway, um, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I really love Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, I, I enjoyed um, the show too, so but it does kind of... this will actually not... Oh, I'm sorry? No, I was saying I enjoyed the show too, but it also kind of needs to wrap up, I think. You know, these kids are all like 20 now. Y yeah, yeah. Millie Bobby Brown just got in engaged to the son of uh, John Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's going to produce some nepotism babies, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> anyways... Uh, yeah, yeah, the show, show's great, but, you know, these guys are college age now, and mm -hmm. I don't think it works so well, and, you know, when the kids are older. Yeah, I do know that the upcoming season will be the final season, so, uh, we're gonna, it is gonna wrap up, but, 
Anyway, anyway, so enough, enough, enough Stranger Things talk. This is actually, and it's not going to be right away, uh, but further, this is actually not the only track of the day that's solo piano. Although the mood of the other one is going to be about as opposite this as you get. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to say about this game or this track before we go on? No, no, I probably talked about this game a lot in season two, episode one, it turns out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it, I think it came up in last episode too, didn't it? I think we made mention of it. I don't remember. Yeah, I was probably playing it when we recorded the last episode. That's what it was. Yeah. Yep. That's what it was. It came up in the intro. Okay. Yeah. So my next track is, is it's uh, going to kind of keep the creep, the creep here. And it, it's potentially actually my favorite track of the whole episode. I love the vibe of this track so much. Uh, this entire soundtrack is gold. I think, Sometime before we wrap up Nerd Noise Radio in 2026, I'm going to do a Channel 1 featuring this entire soundtrack for like Halloween or something. Uh, but it, the name of the track is Alone in the Town, and it's from Silent Hill 2 on the PS2, composed by Akira Yamaoka. Okay, and this is Alone in the Town from Silent Hill 2 on the PS2. I've never played any of the Silent Hill games, but I really love their soundtracks. Have you played Silent Hill at all? Nope. No, it's another series that I have not uh, found time to start. Which is too bad. Yeah. It's so it's so lauded. You know, it's so 
esteemed that I really feel like I need to. I wonder, I don't know this for sure, but I wonder if, because last time we talked, we I talked about all the back catalog of PS1 and 2 and 3 uh, games available to PS5 owners if they're on the top tier of, um, of the service. I, I wonder if this game is included in that service. If it is, I might have to... No, I'm going to force myself to wait. I I, my, I really need to make my focus Horizon Forbidden West until Tears of the Kingdom come. Because when Tears of the Kingdom come, I'm probably not going to be playing much of anything else for a good while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... I feel bad because like, I'm, I'm playing a game right now that I really like, but I'm like, oh, geez, this is a long RPG, and if I don't finish it by you know, May 15th or whatever, what am I going to do? Um, <laughs> I also just... <laughs> You know, I'm probably just going to have to mute a lot of uh, RSS feeds that I follow. Uh, because I'm afraid people are going to post, like, spoilers about the game. And I've, I mean, I haven't even watched the trailers. You haven't watched the trailers? No. No, I'm, I'm okay. all... I'm just going to go into it. You know, I really didn't watch any Breath of the Wild trailers either. Okay. Okay. Well, then I'm going to force myself to not say anything about Tears of the Kingdom. I, um... Because I don't want to spoil anything for you. There's... I have a... I have a strong... I mean, okay... I, I think I'm going to love the game. I think it's I think it's going to be what's good about Breath of the Wild plus other things uh, that are going to make it even better. And I'm going to stop talking now. Maybe when we do our next episode in June, after we've both had a chance to play it, I'll share I'll share what I was really thinking. One other okay, there is one thing from the intro of the top of the show that I was going to mention that I forgot to. I have seen, and I know. I know you're in Chicago, I'm in Des Moines, I know there's differences, uh, so what's true for me and it may not be true for you, but more than once, I have been at a store, like Walmart or whatever, and there have just been PS5s and Series Xs just there to just walk up and buy. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've seen it more than once. All, all the stores here just have a sign saying, you know, for the safety of our employees, we don't have PS5s in the store. Okay, all right. And we had that talk last time. It's a disgusting. It's it's disgusting what people are doing. You know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna beat someone up or point a gun at them just so I can play Returnal. You know, that's 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 really terrible that people are doing that. But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again because we talked about that at length last episode. But anyway, the point is, I'm, you know, here here I am in a mid-sized city and I see them as I walk in. There's got to be some place in a giant city like Chicago that's gonna have them so just you know mm -hmm. hopefully hopefully your time is coming soon yeah maybe i mean I'm, I'm actually in the suburbs but the city is probably worse because they're far more concerned about like safety in the city than they are out if, you know if in the suburbs you're worried about people like beating up your employees to get a playstation 5 uh it's definitely going to be worse in the city of course of course and again it's not like this is a, a, a violent city i I don't want to go down a big rant, but like, you know, I mean, Chicago doesn't even have the highest crime rate in Illinois, right? It's right. it's actually not a particularly dangerous city, despite what, you know, some would say about it. Um, if you look like it, like at a ranking of U.S. cities, it's really not very high at all. Sure. It's just there's a lot of people and the incidents that happen tend to be, um, tend to be publicized a lot more than if someone in, you know, Des Moines gets robbed of a PlayStation 5. I suppose, and you know, it's it's we're not the highest crime city in our state either. There's um, there's a there's a, a city called Fort Dodge, that is as if you if you go by percentage, if you go by ra pr proportional, is as much smaller than Des Moines as Des Moines is smaller than Chicago. Like, like the Des Moines Metro is one fifteenth the size of Chicago. The Fort Dodge Micro Paulton area is one fifteenth the size of Des Moines. 
and there are as many murders in a year in Fort Dodge as there are in Des Moines. So, like, the same number of people killed out of a much, much smaller pool. <laughs> like, there's really not much redeeming about Fort Dodge at all, really. Um, we could probably change the second letter of the first word, if you catch my meaning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never been there. I think I've driven by it. Um. Well, okay. I, I'll take back there. There's. I, I'll take back the, the. There's not nothing redeeming. There's just not much redeeming. Uh, you know, for a city that small, its downtown area is actually bigger than you'd think. It's the the problem is it's all boarded up. You know, busted windows and cardboard and stuff. But I don't know. They have a Culver's. How bad can it be? <laughs> Frozen custard makes everything better, right? Yeah. I've never been in a town that had a Culver's that seemed remotely dangerous. Uh, well, you can you can take... I suppose if you want to like go do some investigative work and check out Fort Dodge and see if I'm see if I know what I'm talking about no, or I'm, not. I'm not I'm not doing any big <laughs> road trips this, uh, this year okay all right so this okay so th I could either talk a lot about this track or I could say nothing except that I love it and I think I'm going to do the latter because we've gone on tangents about Fort Dodge by the way if we have any Fort Dodge listeners I love you <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, they probably feel the same way about Fort Dodge that I do. But anyway, yeah, hopefully I didn't offend anyone from Fort Dodge about that. But uh, so, so, what's your next track? Yeah, what is my next track? It is, um, sorry, I was looking at downtown Fort Dodge. Oh, yeah, my obligatory uh, <laughs> Falcom track. This is um, A Quiet Moment from East 3. The composer is uh, Miko Ishikawa. As always, it's credited under Falcom Sound Team JDK. Mm -hmm. It's arranged, this is an arranged version, so I picked the TurboGrafx-16 CD version or PC Engine CD version, whatever you prefer. The composer is uh, Kiata Hoshi. This was actually tough. It was very tough for me to pick which version of the song I wanted to go with. I listened to each of them like three times and okay. decided to go with the TurboGrafx-16 version. So let's just uh, fire that up.
right, A Quiet Moment from East 3. So this is the song that plays when you go into homes in the one city in the game. This is getting a remake remake soon. Maybe not, not, maybe not in the U.S., it's hard to tell. So this game was uh, remade as uh, Oath and Falgana. Oh, okay, okay. So it's the same, that, that was the remake, and you can get that in the U.S. on PSP and Steam. It's probably like 99 cents on Steam right now. It goes on sale all the time. And that is getting a remake called like, oh, great, no, I can't remember. But it's like Oath and Falgana remake, let's call it. And that's going to be on the Switch. So that's coming out in Japan, I think this month, meaning April. And no word yet if that version is getting ported to the US. So I assume it will be. Um... You could probably, I mean, the Switch is region-free, so you could pick up a copy of the Japanese version if you just wanted to see what, what changed. Um, there is a lot of dialogue, but if you played the original game, you probably can get through it reasonably well. Sure. So I, I looked up Oath and Felgana on Steam. Uh, it is Steam Deck playable, uh, but you, and I did add it to my wish list, but you dramatically underestimated the price. It's like fourteen ninety nine. Okay, that's still, so. that's still pretty cheap. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's the kind of game that gets included in like 75% off sales by the publisher all the time. Of course, of course. So I'll, next next time it goes on deep discount, I'll buy it. Yeah, it'll be like, you know, the big in Japan sale or something they, they'll call it. <laughs> no, it's a real sale. They, uh, well, that's a oh, PS4 oh. sale, but, you know, it's, it's a kind of sale that runs from time to time. And I think getting a physical copy on PSP is probably impractical at this point. Sure, sure. Uh, so, well, no, it'll probably be like the Steam Summer Sale or the Steam Winter Sale, you know, whatever, uh, the, su the Summer Sale, they usually take a picture of Gabe Newell and make him look like Jesus Christ and have like the discounts flying, like the discount things flying past his head and all that stuff. It's really funny. So, now what's interesting to, about this track is it's not using CD audio, it's actually using the TurboGrafx-16 bass audio. It, it is, yeah, it's, it's kind of a short track, I think that's why, I, I think they didn't want to... Uh, take up, you know, a, a whole CD track for the song because it's relatively short. And the other part is that you're listening to it when you're in the town. Mm -hmm. So, what, like, when you're in the town, the town is also, um, you know, hardware audio. It's not based, it's not off the CD. And I okay, think it's because yeah. they, they don't want load times when you're going between the town and, and homes in the town. Right. Yeah, no. No, that makes sense. And, well, I also imagine that at least in highlight moments, there might be some spoken dialogue too, right? Uh... Not with this song playing, I don't believe, but in the town for sure there is, yeah. Okay, okay, because yeah, you'd want to <clears throat> you you would want to use the onboard sound chip for the background music if you're going to be using the CD audio hardware for people talking. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I love this track. I mean, it's there's nothing about this track that jumps out jumps off the page at me but the whole thing is tight and warm and nice i mean it's i'm not i'm sounding way more lukewarm about this track than i am i actually think this track is really great you know those nice pearly pearly uh milky voices over top and then the uh velvet gravel bass happening underneath it yeah i love the sound font of this it's really really nice i will i will have to i you know if i end up getting the oath and felgana i'll have to 
uh, talk about it on whatever the next episode is after that happens. I'll also be curious to hear what the rearrangement of this track sounds like for the new version. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll, I mean, I'll be keeping an ear out for it. I'm sure I'll recognize the melody when I run into it. Hey, so I have a question about Fort Dodge. Well, <laughs> okay. We're talk about this. So I, I noticed it has a uh, correctional facility. Or is the crime rate skewed because they're counting assaults that occur in the correctional facility? Well, that's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to that, but that wasn't that wasn't the impression I had. But that could possibly be. I just, you know, I know there's more of there's more for for a city as much smaller than Des Moines as Des Moines is smaller than Chicago. This it's about the same number of people that get killed every year there. Hmm. So. Yeah, I'm wondering how much of that. I wonder if it's if it's skewed reporting. It could be. You know, maybe that's an interesting question. If any, if anyone, if anyone knows, and you know, feel free to hit us up about that. Especially, especially if I said something stupid. You know, hit us up about it. <clears throat> you know, I'd prefer it be without the John, you're an idiot. But you know, if that if that's necessary, then it's necessary. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to find that out. I love that that's a thing, though. <laughs> like, crime rate in Fort Dodge, you know? <laughs> no, I was just reading the Wikipedia page on the on this, on this the, the town. Because, again, I can't mm-hmm. believe a town that has a Culver's really has a significant crime problem. Um, and, <laughs> and I saw that it has a correctional facility in the town. I'm like, oh, well, that's probably the source of the problem then. Yeah, maybe, maybe. You know what? By the next episode, if 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 I remember, or if you remember to remind me, mm-hmm. hopefully by the time we get to our next episode, I will have vetted that and we'll have an answer for you. Yeah, I mean, it's a small enough town. We could probably get the mayor on here. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously. Not after. It's probably not that we, hard. Like, well, maybe, but not after. Not after what I said about the town, probably. Well, they might be happy to, to clarify the record. I don't know. Uh, maybe you know this is actually a much better place than you think it is. Uh, <clears throat> I I have found things I've enjoyed in Fort Dodge. I've been there, you know, maybe four or five times in my life. Um, so, you know, they have a they have a mall, which is not typical for a place that small. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's 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 not like the malls we have. It can't possibly be like the malls you have. But although our biggest mall, Jordan Creek, is like the fifth biggest mall fourth or fifth biggest mall in the midwest and like the in the top 25 in the country so but it's not it doesn't compare to the malls we have here which can't compare to the malls you have but it's a real mall it's not like you know a hallway with like three stores in it you know actually no i think i heard they tore that mall down i think i heard they closed it but they once upon a time they had a mall that was a proper mall so I think a portion of the ceiling collapsed. I think is what I heard. But anyway, I'm not. I'm not making Fort Dodge sound any better. Yeah. No. All right. They have a Culver's. So let's move on. <laughs> I also love how you're treating Culver's as like the thing that brings world peace. You know? Well, no. I just. I. I kind. I mean, there's. I. I know what kind of towns Culver's opens in. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think they're kind of select. They they tend to pick you know smaller kind of folksy towns. I mean, there are some in bigger towns. But, mm-hmm. you know, they, they tend to be in areas that I would think of as being very low drama. Okay. They have Culver's in Chicago, don't they? Not in the city, no. But out in the burbs, yeah, they the do. suburbs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay, I've, all right. Yeah. I've, there are two Culvers within 15 minutes of me in either direction. Okay. They're all over all right. the suburbs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So speaking of speaking of Culvers, <laughs> let's go to my next track, which is... Um, I guess kind of keeps the darkness going. Only this adds a bit of int- a bit of a bit of a bite to it. This is one of my favorite tracks of all time, and it 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 actually go- it actually has quite the history with Nerd Noise Radio. It was the opening track of episode two from all the way back in January of 2017. It is Stotts from Sword of Vermilion on the Sega Genesis, composed by Hiroshi Kawaguchi. So grab your frozen custard, your concrete mixer, and dig in. Okay, and this is Stotts from Sword of Vermilion on the Sega Genesis, uh, composed by Hidoshi Kawaguchi. You've played Sword of Vermilion, right? Yeah, I, I have a really hard time getting into this game. Um, okay. It's neat, but I just don't... Um, don't really... I don't know. I know how to put it. I, I, I played it after doing like Fantasy Star and some other um, RPGs. Okay. And I just really couldn't get into it. It's um, it's a little, it's a little weird. I, I would, I won't say it's an objectively great game. It's one of those games where its quirk is kind of the charm for me. You know, this really kind of weird overworld uh, schema where you really are looking at the map more than looking at the actual representation. You know, three pseudo three D representation. It's, I guess, it's kind of using, and it's doing it in slow motion. But it's, I, I think, it's using kind of a similar engine to what like Outrun or Space Harrier uses. For like 
2D objects in 3D space. For its kind of overworld area. This music plays in the first town in the game. So the, it really hits with a bang. I mean, it's, and you start the game in the town. You're, your, your father's dying, and he, ha he has to tell you several hard truths, and then he dies, and then you take your quest, you know, out in the world. Um, it's, the ending is almost, or the opening is almost kind of abrupt that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I agree. It's, it's got a nice soundtrack. I mean, this is, this is a very good pick. Oh, the soundtrack's amazing. In fact, we, um, it, it was just five episodes later, uh, episode seven, where we featured the entire Sword of Vermilion soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. And and uh, when the game came to Nintendo Switch Online, I put I logged several hours. I'm I'm I, I, I would guess that I'm probably three quarters of the way through the game on NSO. Oh, wow. And and now that so one other thing about the Switch kind of coming back in our world is I re-upped on NSO. So now I can start playing those again. I down you know I've got the GBA and the GB GBC, uh, but I can. I think I actually will go back and finish Sword of Vermilion now that I can play it again, now that I've re-upped my membership. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think, I think I got obliterated like in the first field, like first area <laughs> you explore. And I was like, oh, I just, I don't have the time for this. Well, one thing Jody and I do is we make fun of the enemy death sounds in this game. Okay. Yeah, you, know, you kill an enemy, it's <laughs> I, lo I love that sound. Maybe I'll even, maybe in the blooper reel uh, or the, I'm, I'm going to stop calling it the blooper reel because not everything's a blooper, but in the, in the now obligatory outtake section at the end of the episode, maybe I'll just, oh, maybe I'll, maybe instead of using our customary sensor sound, if there's a cuss word. Okay. You know what? I need to have a cuss word. So, okay. Now I'm going to add that to the blooper reel. Oh, okay. Can I, can I, well, hold on. Can I add one too? Uh, Okay, there you go. Okay, great. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that'll be it. But instead of using the typical sensor sound, I'll use the de the uh, enemy death sound from Sword of Vermilion. Right. Well, that was fun. Uh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Okay, so, but no, I I don't think I have anything else to say. Uh, I just, I, well, I love this. I love that kind of big hit at the beginning, and then you've got these super pearly, sing-songy, uh, Yamaha FM7 kind of sounds over top. I, this sound, this this piece is just a math, it, and it's so early in the life of the Genesis too. You know, I mean, they they, they went on to do other even better, even greater feats with the Genesis sound hardware. But this is this is a really great example of an early use master use of the sound hardware. Mm -hmm. It's just the sound font is so incredible in this piece. Yes, and I also note that later on we do have one of the games that I played before Sword of Vermilion that sort of ruined the Sword of Vermilion for me. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'll have to I'll have to only say mean things about that track okay, as, in I, retaliation. You absolutely <laughs> can say mean things about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think we can go on though. Uh, this is going to be yet another mood change for us. We're going to kind of get into a, a more chill area. Yeah. Yeah, I decided to go to uh, Shenmue 2, a game I keep meaning to start and not starting. Uh, okay. This is uh, Shenhua's house, daytime. Uh, this was originally on Dreamcast, but now you can get it on. It was also on uh, Dreamcast and Xbox were kind of the first systems it was on, but you can get the remake on on just about anything. There is um, just uh, an absurd number of composers listed on this song, so I'm just gonna name well, on the on the album as a whole. So I'm gonna go with uh, Takanobo 
uh, Mitsuishi, he's, who is the lead for the soundtrack, is the composer. Um, looking at the list of composers, I, I feel like I can rule out Yuzo Koshiro as the composer of this one. Probably. Um, but I don't know for sure. Uh, for the show notes, or for the track list in the show notes, I, I did look up the entire composer list. We'll mention it on the comeback. Uh, but but yeah, let's let's go ahead and, and, and dig in.
Alright, so Shenmue 2, Shenwa's house. Um, haven't, yeah, really, I gotta play this game. I was going to play the remake that's on PS4, um, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Okay. And now, as we've mentioned many times, Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out. It's not the time to get into any big games. I, um, I, had, I, I think I mentioned. No, I didn't mention uh, in the in the top show that I also beat Portal, the original Portal, on the Steam Deck recently. And I only did that because I, um, I was using Portal to test whether the new HDMI cable fixed my dock issues. I, this is a game that I played and beat on the Xbox 360 back in like 2011, 2012. So this was not my first time beating the game, <clears throat> uh, but. Uh, to continue testing, I went ahead and started Portal 2, but I don't think I'm going to... I don't know. Maybe I'll get... No, I probably won't get through it, because I really need to put as much time and effort as I can into Horizon Forbidden West. But have you... No. The answer of have I played is almost always no, unfortunately, but I have not played Portal, no. Okay. I won't spoil too much, but there the sense of humor in that game is just so... so good. It's so dry. Like, you, in the first Portal game... You don't really realize there's much sense of humor happening until you get way later into the game. And then in retrospect, you realize all the humor that was happening and flying right over your head. But by Portal 2, there's they're not hiding anything. You know, that's the whole thing is a great big joke and in the best possible way. But OK, so anyway, um, we had talked. I had mentioned that I would have the composer, the full composer list for for this game on the backside. So. It's so long, it almost needs chapter and verse. <laughs> but I, we have Takenobu Mitsuyoshi, Yuzo Koshiro, uh, Duiji Iwichi, Takeshi Yanagawa, Satoshi Miyashita, Koji Sakurai, Masataki Nita, Shinji Otsuka, Fumio Ito, Megumi Takano, Osamu Murata, and or... And that's such a relief to get to end or after all that. Shinichi Goto. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, amen. <laughs> so, uh, now, what's funny is I didn't even realize this game had a Dreamcast release. I only knew about the Xbox version. I, I got a couple hours into the Xbox version. Yeah. Yeah, not in the U.S. It was a, it was a Japan-only release. Okay. That explains it. That explains it. So, now, they did re-release Shenmue for... Uh, PS4, right? Did they re-release Shenmue 2 also, or yeah, yeah, just it's, one? it's a collection of Shenmue 1 and, and 2. Um, those were released, you know, kind of to go along with Shenmue 3. Mm-hmm, so if you had, mm-hmm. you know, if you had a chance to play the first two, um, you know, because you didn't own the right system or whatever, for whatever reason you didn't get to play the first two, who cares? Yeah, they re-released it. Um, I started Shenmue 1 in that collection. I just I forgot just how janky the controls are because they didn't fix the controls it plays like the place like the original dreamcast version played Mm -hmm. and it's really tough it's really tough to get used to because you you forgot even when you played on the dreamcast because on the dreamcast i guess it didn't seem so clunky because we hadn't really played open world games yet Mm -hmm. but you compare it to like grand theft auto and you're just like oh what how do i even get around this town (laughs) yeah i think um the 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 impression I'm left with from Shenmue because I did of course place you know a good few hours into that game on the Dreamcast but uh, back in the day but the impression I have in retrospect having not touched it for 20 years is it was a great story and a fantastic tech demo and that's it like as a game itself it was kind of a big ball of jank 
And I do remember how wooden the voice acting was. It's why, it's why with anime, I almost always prefer sub uh, over dub. You know, the, Jap the original Japanese audio with the English subtitles as opposed to an, an English voiceover. Because those, those languages are so different that even people who are honest to God, truly talented, quality actors oftentimes end up sounding like they're not mm -hmm. <laughs> because, because they're trying to fit such a square peg into such a round hole, you know, that it's, it, I think the only, and I'm kind of an anime noob, so I, I'm, I don't want to pretend to be an expert at something I'm not, but the only anime off the top of my head that I can say I actually prefer in English was the X-Men anime. Do you, do you remember the X-Men anime? No. Okay. Well, there was an anime for Marvel's X-Men. And I think the cast for the English dub was the same cast as the early 90s American cartoon. Anyway, it's really interesting. Really interesting stuff. It's, uh, the first episode's available on YouTube. You can go look it up. It's really cool. But yeah, how far... Well, you never... You never how far into Shenmue 2 did you get? I had to get anywhere into Shenmue 2 because I was trying to finish Shenmue 1 first again. I finished Shenmue 1 on the Dreamcast. And I'm like, oh, okay. it's been over 20 years since I played it. So I'm going to replace Shenmue 1 before I start Shenmue 2, but I made it uh, basically the first day of Shenmue 1 before I said, oh, I don't, I don't have the patience for this today. Okay. Okay. That's right. You did say that and yeah. it went right over my yeah. head. Okay. Because I was just, I was curious and maybe neither one of us know the answer to this. Uh, where in the game this is happening? I mean, it's Shenhua's house, but where in the game is Shenhua's house? Yeah. I, based on the track list about middle. Okay. But the track list may not represent the order that you encounter things in the game. Sure, sure. Well, I guess this is on... If I win the lottery and could stay home all day, every day for the rest of my life, I, this would be a game I'd like to pick up. Yes, after we get a Culver's franchise. All right. Um. <laughs> Let's see how many times we can work Culver's into <laughs> No, I have a tab open. There's someone did a very detailed analysis on how Culver's chooses their locations, but they don't actually work for the company. They're basing it based on geographic data on where the restaurants are located. Okay. All right. Their, their conclusion is proximity to interstate highways. Okay. Which okay. would explain why you don't see very many in the middle of major cities, because you would not have proximity to interstate highways. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I've never thought about that. I I mean, you know, we do have a couple we we have several we have a hand I don't know, 5 6 Culvers uh throughout the metro Des Moines, but we do have at least one actually in city limits, but now that I think about it, it's not that far from the Highway 5 bypass. Yeah. So, and it's on a major thoroughfare which would also touch I-235 and I-80. So, I guess that I guess that makes sense. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, let's see. Please, if we yeah, can, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on, but let's see how many times we can. On. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, let's see how many times we can work uh, Culver's and/or Fort Dodge into yeah. the rest of the episode. Uh, my next track, I, I had mentioned uh, after the Crisis Core track that we would have one more track that was pure solo piano, but the the mood was going to be almost the opposite mood of that track. And that is this coming track. It is Build Mode 4 from The Sims on the PC, composed by Jerry Martin and or Mark Russo.
and this is build mode four from the sims on the pc i love this track god i love this track if this i had mentioned the silent hill track is a is quite possibly my favorite track of the episode but this one is every bit as much a contender there is so much nostalgia in this track for me. Uh, so one of the dumbest financial moves that Jody and I ever made was very early in our marriage. Uh, we got married in, in July of 2019, and this is October of 2020. I'm sorry, shoot, July of, 20, of 1999. God, 1999. And this is uh, October of 2000 that this story is mm -hmm. happening in. But we went to CompUSA and just went credit crazy we ended up spending five thousand dollars in the store on a like a twenty five hundred dollar uh g4 power mac tower and then the same amount of money over again on all the fixings and stuff so ridiculous mm -hmm. just ridiculous but one of the games we bought for the mac was this this game and so at this part in the game you're pause you you pause the action of the game to uh to build, to build your house, to build onto stuff, you know, to put furniture in the house, you know, that kind of stuff. And it kind of has this great sense of starting out a life together, this piece, you know, and in the context it's happening in the game. And it matches the context that was happening in our lives. We were just starting our lives together with one of the, setting a terrible financial precedent, but that aside, <laughs> uh, you know, um, we, so I, this track just brings me so much ha happiness because it takes me back to those early days of Jody and I's marriage when life was much simpler than it is now with two kids and all the other responsibilities of adulting. We were adults, but barely, you know, but, you know, I did use this track on a very special thing. It's, it's, I think the first, the only time I've ever done a rerun where I've modified the rerun. And uh, it was, a, so there was a, a, a dear friend of, of mine named Chris Chandler uh, who died really young. He died, he was 37. It was December of 2016. It was just before the debut of the podcast. And uh, I did an episode that, was, he wasn't a video game music fan. Right. So how do you pay tribute to a non-VGM fan through the mechanism of a VGM podcast? And the only mechanism I could arrive at was <clears throat> let's pick tracks that represent the flights of emotion that the survivors felt in the wake of his passing. Right. So we're telling his story by telling our story in the, in the wake of his absence. <clears throat> but that was way too vague. It was way too diffuse. There was no way there was no way I could. You'd have to know that was what was happening in order to realize that was what was happening. Um, and and so on the occasion of Chris's, what would have been Chris's 40th birthday, uh, I took the original episode and it was only 40 minutes of what ended up being a two hour tribute to the guy because he was a musician. He did a bunch of original music. And so Jody curated a bunch of his original tracks and we would intersperse them with stories about Chris. And I even had Chris's dad come on, Mark Chandler came, come, came on. And um, in the part of the episode where we were leading up to the rerun, this was the track that was playing in the background. As I was talking about what each track meant uh, in the context of trying to tell that story. So anyone listening to this, if you go back, you just go back through our, our podcast or our, our feed history, you know, on Spotify or Apple Music or however you listen to us, 
feed, go back through our feed. It'll be there. It was uh, Nerd Noise Radio reruns presents Chandler Fest, which is what he called his birthday parties, Chandler Fest, and it's probably the it's unquestionably the most most emotional work I've done as a podcaster. So, but this is the track I used for that part of the episode. There was something else that I wanted to say that this that this track involved, but I I can't remember what it is. So we're gonna move on, and if I remember, I'll just oh, oh I'll, well here I'll know. say something and see what Jogs remember. I was I was gonna say what's interesting about this track is that it would definitely be not distracting while you're working. Like it's kind of got that background music feeling, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm just doing some work and the song doesn't get repetitive very quickly. You know, I like, like mm-hmm. you could have it going for half an hour and not really, you know, feel like it's been playing that long, which I assume mm-hmm. at this part, I've never played the Sims, but I'm assuming like you, you, this might be going for 30, 40 minutes at a time. Well, it, conceivably. Yeah. And, and, you know, actually that does, I, I don't know if this is what I was going to say and forgot, but it does jog something else. There was a second epoch of nostalgia for me. So we were playing this game in 2000 so it makes me think of those early days. But then uh, I was a college drop-in. So I went back to college when I was 24 and did it slowly, you know, ha- you know, part-time while I was working. And so I, I think I graduated in like 2011, 2012, something like that. So anyway, 2007, I remember, I, I specifically remember spending a lot of time on a laptop working on homework and having music from The Sims playing on, on not repeat one, but repeat all this collection of Sims music playing on loop as I worked on homework. So I have a very specific memory of hunkering down in front of a laptop, listening to this track and the other tracks like it. So if I remember what I was going to say, I'll, I'll, I'll bring, I'll find a way to insert it into the episode. Uh, but otherwise, otherwise let's move on. Uh, what is the next track? Uh, Hugh's next track is the, is the one that I had had, uh, suggested as the ep- episode opener. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and it would it could have worked there too. I I like where it ended up. Um, this is from Octopath Traveler. So this is mm-hmm. another multi-platform game. It was a Switch exclusive for a while, but it's available on many other things now. And this mm-hmm. is called My Quiet Forest Home, and the composer is Yasunori Nishiki. Thank you. 
Alright, Octopath Traveler. So yeah, this is an RPG sort of inspired by... It's Square Enix. Uh, a lot of people compare it to Final Fantasy VI. I don't really... I don't really think that's the case. It plays... The battle system isn't anything like Final Fantasy VI. Um, but it does have sort of similar character classes. So you could call it maybe like a loosely inspired by. But really like this song and the previous song are, to me, sound very similar. Well, the the way the piano opens is very similar. Yeah, the opening, so it's the, fir the first forty seconds here are very similar, for sure. It's a great. The two make a great transition yeah. to and from each other. And you know, in one in one of the drafts we had proposed, presuming this is the episode opener, the Sims track would have been track two. Mm -hmm. You know, so we probably would have kept them together. Yeah. So as far as your comment about the aesthetic of Final Fantasy or the Octopath Traveler versus Final Fantasy VI, yeah, mechanically, I think it's I think it's a a rough comparison. I don't think they're that much alike. You know, certainly, I mean, this has more of the live the more of the live alive different stories coming together thing than anything Final Fantasy VI related. But aesthetically, the look of it, I mean, it's 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 melding sixteen bit pixel art with modern you know, modern art and lighting effects and 2.5D and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But the the overall aesthetic of this game, how the characters look and all that stuff, I I will join the camp that says this does remind me of Final Fantasy VI. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, the characters and their sort of classes are, are like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very loose love letter. And how there's no, like, real true lead character in the game. That's true. It's a yeah, that's true. It's a it's a band without a leader. I guess you could almost say the leader is whichever character you choose first. Right. Right. Yeah. But then you can kind of kick them to the curb and make someone else, you know, not use them after a while if you wish. I think. Can that's you, like, true. You switch now, out the, the character you chose first. I'm pretty sure you can. I I don't know. Do, uh, I think you can. How far into the game did you get? So I I finished four character stories. There were four characters that I I found interesting. I finished their stories. I know if you do like all eight. There's like a super mega boss at the end, um, but at that point I I played enough and um, you know I'm kind of spoiled because if you play like the uh, the Trails series, the battle systems for other RPGs start to seem really bad after a while. Mm -hmm. And Octopath Traveler like battle system compared to you know, any of the Trails games just feels really kind of clunky. I mean I'd even say like Persona Five has a bad battle system compared to the Trails games. Um, mm. Octopath Traveler and uh, Persona 5 have very similar battle systems, really. Okay. Um, so I was just like, you know what? I like the game. I like the graphics. Music, of course, is outstanding. Uh, it, but I've done enough of the story that I, I feel like I'm satisfied. I've played, you know, 60 to 80 hours of this game. I definitely got my money's worth. Sure. Sure. I... I I got several hours into it, but a lot less far into it than you did. I There's this thing in this game where, you know, you get through all eight people's chapter one, and then there's this giant difficulty <laughs> jump, right? And that's where I stalled out, is getting starting to get into the chapter twos and just getting annihilated. So, um, but even the first, even if you just do the chapter ones, that's still, God, 10, 12 hours yeah. in? Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, Maybe someday I'll come back to it. Uh, we'll see. 
I think that's all I have to say about Octopath Traveler, though. This now, no, this this house is in the forest area because it it almost kind of has the wintry feel. I know there's a winter area too. It, it but. does, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, the forest is, I guess, a, is it north in the map? I mean, it's a little bit north, but it's the uh, the village for the huntress character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does sound a little bit like all the town music in this game has, you know, maybe it's all kind of built off a common theme because the uh, the winter town sounds a, a lot like this too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they all have an Asiatic feel to them. I mean, you know, yeah. So, well, so last episode there were there were a couple things that happened. Uh, one, Hugh picked a track that we both jokingly called a John track picked by Hugh because mm-hmm. it was very much my style and more kind of out of out of your typical wheelhouse. And then also. You picked an episode, or you picked a track from a game that, as mythology, kind of borrowed from Western religion with a spaceship called Jesus, right? Well, so I'm repaying both of those favors with this next track. First of all, this is a Hugh track picked by John. Very much more Hugh style of music than than mine. Although I do like this, I do unironically like this track quite a bit. And then it's from a game that, once again, borrows... Uh, from Western religion. Uh, the name of the game is Last Bible 3 for the Super Famicom. The composer is Hiroyuki Yanada, and the name of the track is Hometown.
All right, and that's Hometown from Last Bible 3. So, like, okay, we just, we, we had a little micro conversation during the break, but for the listeners, let's repeat it. This really does sound more like you than me. It does, yeah. It's got that 16-bit RPG sound. I mean, it, it really, this town could be, this, like, theme could be in a dozen different games. Mm. It, it would yeah, work right. in almost any 16-bit RPG. It would. Yeah. Yeah. I think although if we're if we're going to take it out of Last Bible and put it in a specific uh, 16-bit RPG, the one that makes the most sense to me is probably Chrono Trigger. No, no, sorry, Secret of Mana. Secret yeah, of Mana is yeah, what this just sounds like a Secret of Mana song. Yeah, for sure. Now, this sure. is all part of the same universe that produced uh, Persona, right? This is the, all part of Megami Tensai. That I don't... I, no, I don't... I Well, let's find out. I don't think... I didn't have that impression, but let's... Uh, Let's see. Well, it is part of the Megami Tensai family. And Persona is a spin-off of Shin Megami Tensai. No, I did know that. I did know that. Uh, but I, I didn't know about Last Bible. I so Yeah, I had these, mentioned... these games weren't really in the US, right? So I don't right. This, I don't believe this ever got a US release. Okay, you're right. Because uh, I looked it up on Wikipedia. Megami Tensei Gaiden, Last Bible. So you're right. It is part of the uh, Megami Tensei universe. I, 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 I'm, I did. I had no idea. I did that obliviously. Actually, what this, what, what inspired me to go to Last Bible. Which, by the way, I love the fact that we're calling it Last. First of all, I love the fact we're calling it Last Bible Three. Yes, you know it's kind of like kind of like it's the same thing as Final Fantasy fifteen. Like this is the last fantasy. We promise, we mean it. This is the very last fantasy fifteen. Yes. Well, I mean, Motley <laughs> Crue announced their like retirement uh, tour twenty three years ago, I believe. So, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, okay, yeah. Last Bible three, which you'll find at the Second Baptist Church. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but no. So the 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 reason that I thought of Last Bible is um, it's a it's a game I've heard a number of times on the Legacy Music Hour, which brings me to that one top of show thing that I deliberately left out of the top of the show. I I had the opportunity of a lifetime recently. I got to I got to meet Brent Weinbach in person. He uh. Most people listening to the show who are familiar with Legacy Music Hour will know this, but Legacy Music Hour is just a small little thing uh, that Brent and, and Rob do on the side. They they are very active with other things. They're both stand-up comedians. They're both actors. Uh, Brent is a musician. Uh, Rob does a lot of stuff with MMA. You know, they they this is you for from your your and I perspective knowing these guys through Legacy Music Hour. Legacy Music Hour is their big thing, right? But no, it's actually. They're a really small thing that we just happen to get connected with them uh, through. I love, I, I, I've seen a little bit of Brent's stand up before. Um, it's very unique. It's very experimental. It's very wacky. It's very avant-garde. It's very sophisticated. Uh, it's, it's got just the right amount of, of uh, adult humor too. It's, it's, it's not, it's not safe for kids, but it's also not like vulgar, bathroom talk you know what i mean it's it's artfully done it's like a sprinkle of salt rather than dumping over the salt shaker uh so i really really enjoyed the show but even more than the show i enjoyed sitting and talking to the guy for 15 minutes afterwards it was it was a very engaging conversation he wasn't there was no impression of oh when can i stop talking to this guy it seemed like he was just as engaged in the conversation as i was 
and it's so different to be talking to someone face to face, you know, mm-hmm. without the mediation of a webcam or a microphone. You know, you and I met in 2014. And that was very nice. Uh, and I, I look forward to the next time I get to see you in person. Yeah. But, I don't have an excuse to go out to Des Moines anytime recently, though. Well, that's okay. You know, I, I need to get out. There's there's reasons I need to get out to Chicago. And when I get out there, I'm going to look you up. It was just, it was so great. And then there was also these two young guys. These So this happened on the campus. So Ames is a, a, a college town. Uh, it's where I the uh, Iowa State University is, where the Cyclones are. It's, um, it's a metro area of about 90,000. So it's small, but not teeny tiny. Uh, and I've also felt felt when you put a big college in a small town, it somehow makes the co- the town feel less small. You know, it's you you have some of that college culture. You've got you know a better food scene. You've got a better arts and music scene. That kind of stuff, right? So Ames is actually a pretty pretty cool place. But uh, it was it was in this this really cool tiny auditorium tucked in the basement of this really big building for the campus. This really old building for the campus. Uh, but while Brett and I were talking, these two these two young guys came up and were talking to him about this. They have this this album they did, and it's not it's not a chip tune album. It's not made on chip. It's you know it's it's just made on ordinary instruments, but it's designed to be a tribute to video game music. It's meant to sound like video game music, and it does, right? And they were they were talking excitedly to Brent about it. And so I interject, I said, So I have a video game music podcast. Why don't we link up and talk about this? And so now we're uh, in talks to the, the the guy the boys the guys names are Adam Frazier and Elijah Moore, and their album is available on Spotify. It's called Time and Place. There's some pretty good stuff on there, uh, but we're working out schedules to get me back up to the ISU campus to get into the radio station, and we're going to record a Channel F, uh, going over their album, talking about. I've I've deliberately kept I've deliberately refrained from asking them a ton of questions because I want to do it on the mic. But be on the lookout for that, uh, listeners, sometime soon, a Channel F about uh, Time and Place by Adam Frazier and Elijah Moore, which wouldn't have happened if we hadn't all been there for Brent Weinbach. So anyway, that's all I've got to say. What do you want to, what do you want to, let's get to your next track. Do you, is there anything you want to talk about with Last Bible first? No, I've I've never played these games. I mean, I I do, like I said, I I like this track. I I think it fits in any number of games um i guess i gotta find a translation of this series sometime and try it okay okay the advice of course would be to start with the first last bible which yeah <laughs> so I, don't, I, don't to say. They, I don't know if it's a series like like trails or it's like final fantasy where they're all different non sequiturs yeah no i just wanted the excuse to say the phrase first last bible yes <laughs> okay, so what do you got next for us? Uh, a game I sort of teased when we were talking about Sword of Vermilion. This is mm-hmm. uh, Fantasy Star 4 for the Sega Genesis. I'm going with uh, Dieselless Town 2. Uh, it's because there's two different town themes. Okay. Um, and, and the composers are uh, Zuho Numata or Masaki uh, Nakagagi.
Alright, Fantasy Star 4, Dieselist Town 2. I like the part coming up where the the sort of song has a big change uh, a little bit in the here. The big pounding kind of drums? Yeah, it has a, a big shift. It's a, it's a short song that really has like two distinct sections. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's a neat town. This is a winter-themed town. Well, this doesn't sound especially wintry. Hmm. I can hear the winter theme, kind of the little bell, kind of ching. A little bit, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I only knew it was a, a winter town because when we were putting, when I was putting the tracks together. So a dirty, a, I don't think, this is probably not too much of a secret. Uh, I think probably most VGM podcasts do the same thing, but I guess we'll call this a dirty secret confession. 99% of the music that appears in any Nerd Noise radio production is just taken straight from YouTube. <laughs> so... You know, uh, I do the the YT the YTDLP uh, extraction command in the Linux terminal, and that's how I get it. But when I was getting the tracks, I saw the video for this, and I saw a snowy town, so that's how I knew. But I don't, you know, that's an interesting question. Would I have thought Winter Town had I not seen that picture? Yeah, I don't know. I think I probably would have because the that kind of sleigh bell. I mean, the sample's so poor that it's hard to tell. But the sleigh bell kind of ching thing, and yeah. And if you knew from the title, like if you'd played the previous games, you would know this is the the ice planet. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I never made that connection, but yeah, yeah. What, what was Desolus in Fantasy Star One? Because that's the only Fantasy Star game it I is, played yeah. to any length. It is okay. It's All right, so even one, so, two, I two and four, but not three. Okay, even so, I would have missed it. I, I missed it. Uh, I wasn't thinking in those terms, but it's a fun track. And you're right. There's the two. There's the kind of the nice, calm part, and then there's the part where it kind of picks up and gets punchy. Yeah, this is a fun track. I don't know if I have anything else to say about it, though. I. If you don't have anything to say, I guess we'll no, just we'll, get we'll on to the on next to our one. Sort of next uh, mini block. Okay. Well, so we're actually getting towards the end here. This is the third to last track of the episode and the last of my tracks that we're going to be talking about over. Uh, it is House Theme from Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Wii U and Switch. Uh, the composers are... Well, actually, the composer... This is a variation on a theme from uh, from ocarina of time so really we'd probably say the composer is koji kondo but the 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 composers credited on this game uh, are manaka kaleoka yasuaki iwata and or hajime wakai
Okay, and that's House Theme from Breath of the Wild. Did you realize this was a reprise of the the Link's House Theme from Kakiriko Village and uh, Link to the... Jeez, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of throwbacks to, um, to tracks from previous Zelda games. I mean, the stable theme is, you know, Lon Lon Ranch kind of remixed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I thought, was pretty easy to, to tell. Even, like, the, the Goron City stuff has a little bit of... Um, has a little bit of an Ocarina of Time Goron Village feel to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This really fits... This treatment of the... The Ocarina of, track, the, or Ocarina of Time track really fits the aesthetic of Breath of the Wild, though. The real musically minimal... I think this has that same Sims start of a, start of a life together feel i mean not life together because link's alone but start of that life journey on his own you know he's a homeowner you know he (laughs) he owns a house he's 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 gonna get to build a life when he's done fighting ganon right yeah you know that's what so jody jody does this and i love it i love it you know i'll be playing castlevania or whatever and she'll be like i wonder what simon belmont does when he's not fighting dracula right she'll ask that kind those kind of questions and and this is kind of this is I mean, obviously, this isn't Castlevania. This isn't the Belmonts. But what does Link do when he's not fighting Ganon? Well, he's going to start decorating his house. You know. Yeah, this is the second game where Link gets a house. Hmm. I mean, Wind Waker. He gets he gets his own island that you can decorate. Hmm. Uh, but not really to the same. I mean, it's not quite the same. You can put up a, a few little decorations here and there. And your basement in that game is haunted, so that doesn't help. <laughs> Are all our basements haunted? <laughs> uh, for listeners can't see this. I'm actually in my basement right now. Um, so, uh, and it's cold. It's cold in here. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't have. Okay, so I. This is never in those situations where I either have nothing else to say or I have about twenty minutes about things to say, and I'm going to choose the former. For everybody's sake, especially yours, because yes. I know that when we get too long, it starts you start to fade out. <clears throat> let's 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 go to your your next track, which is your last track. Yeah, this was actually the first song I picked for this episode, and this is from Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess, which you can get on GameCube, Wii, or Wii U. Uh, this is Agatha's Castle, so this is the house, the bug house, in okay. Twilight Princess. Have you played through Twilight Princess? I have. Okay, so yeah, you, then you're familiar with this. With this scene. Sure. Uh, the composer list is uh, Toro uh, Minigishi, Asuka Oda, and uh, Koji Kondo. Thank you. 
Right, Agatha's Castle. This is a fairly long track for a town, like a house theme. Most games, the the like inside of a house music will maybe only have 30 seconds or so of the same music and then it'll loop a lot. Mm. Where this has a, mm. a few little changes. It's a full song. And you don't really spend that much time in this house. You go in, you uh, give this very odd young lady some bugs. You can maybe look at her, you know, work in progress uh, garden that she has inside her house. <laughs> I mean, who who wouldn't want it in house garden? Yeah, filled with bugs. Who who wouldn't want lots of bugs in their house? Right. I mean, you buy one of those houses that had that 1970s talking pit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The conversation. And you pit, just yes. Yeah, yeah, and you just fill it with dirt. Fill it with dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. I, I do know someone who built a beach in his house. With that, <laughs> that's um, fit. Like with that's sand fantastic. in the house. I do think if I ever build a house, if it's big enough to accommodate it, I do think I'd like to work a conversation pit into it. Um, yeah, I it, it's tempting. I I like the layout, and and it's sort of, you know, because it's round, you're not all sitting and staring at the TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's actually doing what it it says in the name there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, since since COVID, we become a lot less social. So we, we, we don't have like big get togethers at our house anymore. But if I, I would like to, I'd like to think that at some point we'll get back to having those and having a place where you're not staring at a TV together, you know, would be great. So, cause we have, I mean, our house isn't big. It's not fancy, but we do have a TV and virtually, I mean, it, with the exception of the bathroom, I think we have a TV in basically every room in the house. Mm -hmm. So, so it'd be neat to have a place where you could get away from that. We have a huge backyard, I guess, so we could have people hanging out in the backyard, and there's not going to be a TV. But so now, I I suspect that at some point this game will probably come to Switch. It seems like it'll have to, yeah. Yeah, just a, a 1080p up-res of the 720p Wii U HD remaster of the of the original. Yeah, it just seems like it's printing money to just keep re-releasing these. Yeah, well, that's, that's Nintendo's thing. Let's see how many times we can make you pay for the same game over and over again. You know... I think it'll happen. I think it'll. I think. I think we'll see. I think we'll see it on the Switch, or maybe the Switch Two someday. But well, that's a can of worms. I inevitably there's going to be a new Nintendo system. But how many times have we got our hopes built up for a, a Switch Pro or a Switch Two only to have it dashed? So I'm. It's something that I know will happen eventually, but it's something I've stopped holding my breath for. So. Is there anything else you want to say about this track before we get to our end of show routine? Uh, no, no, it's uh. Let's get to the end of the show. All right. So as, as always, we open our end of the show stuff with, uh, no, actually, I, uh, I have some end of show business we'll do before we talk about our show. So the next episode of, so um, it's been right about just over three years that I, I became, so my thoughts are all over the place. Sorry. Um, it was a little over five years ago that I began dabbling with Linux. I kept... You know, Mac and Windows is my main system. The Mac was my podcasting OS and Windows was my gaming OS, and they both shared internet derping duties. But it was about five years ago I started seriously dabbling with Linux on the side. And then about three years ago, Linux became my primary OS. 
you know, I kept Mac and Windows around for a little while, but Linux became my main thing in, in March of 2020. And then in March of 2023, I finally became Linux exclusive. Uh, I, I was able to purge Windows uh, in in uh, two, late 2001, early 2000, or I'm sorry, late 2021, early 2022, but I had to hang on to Mac for a little while. Uh, even though I never used it, I had to hang on to Mac for a little while because when I made the switch from Mac to Linux for podcasting in, in April of 2020, I had happened to be in the middle of production for an episode, right? And I thought, uh, rather than wiping this and starting all over on this production, I'll just set it aside for a couple years. And then I'll finish the production on the Mac and make a big deal about this is this is my first time working in Mac in over three years, and it's also going to be my last time ever working in Mac. So over the river and through the woods, the, uh, the May episode of Channel One will be this episode produced on the Mac. Um, uh, I, produ- I finished producing it in uh, February, and then I wiped Mac and put a new Linux install on that on the Mac Mini, but. Uh, I figured I'd make a big deal about that. So the May episode is produced on the Mac, and I actually deliberately used the old, cra- older, crappier production techniques I used to use back in 2019. Uh, so it feels like it's it, it it sounds and feels like it's from 2019, and I actually really like that. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, as I said before, uh, Adam and Adam and Elijah and I are going to get together at some point to to uh, do a channel F about their album. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then. Thanks again to Brent. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if Brent is listening, but if he is, uh, it was just a fantastic experience to get to to meet you and and uh, and see your show. So uh, I've always been a fan of you as a podcaster. I I, I saw enough of your com- comedy to know I'd be a fan, and I'm a big fan. So I, I love it. I can't wait to see more. And I think that's it. Any end of show stuff for you, or do we want to just get to our typical routine? Uh. No, I don't think I have anything else exciting going on right now. Okay. Okay, well then tell the listeners what you do besides Nerd Noise Radio. Well, I mean, I do lots of things, but uh, that that (laughs) I'm willing to talk about online. Uh, I got another podcast called Retro Game Club. We do um, kind of more technical topics, you know, a lot of like emulation, homebrew news. Um, I have a website. Maybe we'll put a link in the show notes. Maybe not. Who cares? We will, we will. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And uh, yeah, those are those are my online things I got going on. What's coming up next for Retro Game Club? I do not know. We don't plan our show out uh, ahead of time as much as people think. Okay. Uh, we might be, I mean, I know what like our backup episodes are, but I don't know when those will be out. So those okay. probably aren't good ones to talk about. I suspect we'll both be consumed with like the new Zelda game soon. Sure, and, and it'll be hard to find other topics uh, in, in the midst of that. Uh, but like, if I look at yeah, see the problem. This is going to come out before our next episode, right? Well, it depends. It's going to come out the twentieth, the twenty seventh, or the fourth. So, and if this is coming out on the fourth, may the fourth be with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, a couple years ago, I was uh, at Target, as I usually am. I don't work at Target. Mm. I just go there a lot. And <laughs> sure. Uh, it was May 4th, and I see some guy walking around in a Star Wars shirt. I think, God, what a massive dork. It was my first reaction. <laughs> and then I realized like I was wearing a Star Wars shirt, but I hadn't actually planned it. <laughs> I just grabbed whatever was first in my closet. Okay. 
That's fantastic. I, oh God, I love that story. It's like, like I am judging this guy. And then you look at yourself in the mirror like, oh, that <laughs> I'm the same way. You can use your blooper <laughs> sound again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at like the episode that'll be out around the same time. And we're talking about like, whether you're, someone's proposing a PCFX uh, internal drive replacement. So I guess you can play games off SD or something. Mm, um, if mm. you want to have the authentic computer, like old 90s experience, how to upgrade the memory in the 3DFX Voodoo card. Mm. That's, you know, stuff like that we talk about. Neat. So you can get six meg, you can mod a 3DFX to have six whole meg of memory, it looks like. I wonder how much uh, an old 3DFX, like an old Voodoo 3 PCI card would cost. Let's see, eBay. We can look that up later. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So, well, I found I was cleaning out a room, and I, was, I had mentioned that I was over at my parents' house cleaning out a room in the basement, and uh, we found an old computer, like an honest to goodness tower computer from the '90s, and I I figured we'd get rid of it, but I'm thinking, you know, if it, if a 3DFX card is cheap enough, maybe I would just put a graphics card in it and make like a an actual retro computer out of it. So. Nerd Noise Radio, Channel 1. It's a mixtape-style show. It's inspired by things like NPR's Hearts of Space with deliberate differences baked in because I I, I want to be close enough to do the whole honor of imitation but far enough away to not do the crime of plagiarism. And giant mixtape designed to take you on a journey. I, I, liter- I say this most times, but I literally put more time into time and mental energy into track order than I do into track selection. Like track selections is actually the easy part. And it's just designed to take you on a journey. So if you've, if you've only heard channel two, you know, listen to channel one. Uh, I've already talked about what's coming next on channel one. On channel two, what's coming next is there's going to be a spiritual sequel to last year's Masters of VGM but we're going to be focusing this time on obscure composers. So in last year, we participated with Channel 2, but not with Channel 1. So I I have a friend of mine, Tanya Quinn. Uh, uh, She and I are going to do a Channel 1 together for the occasion. And our Channel 2 will be a Masters of EGM 2. And then I think I have something planned with for Channel F with the Stray soundtrack. Because we had mentioned, you know, Stray had come up in the last episode. So I think I'm going to do a focus on Stray. Uh, as a channel F for for Masters of VGM. So we're going to be a lot more involved. And so that's that's it. I think all that's left here, all that's left here is uh, to talk about our closing track, which is me. Yep. So it's, it's we had talked about opening with a bang and closing with a bang. This will be our, our second most energetic song of the day. It's uh, Town Theme 2 from RPG Maker VX Ace on the PC, composed by Unknown. Have you played any of the RPG Maker games? Uh, no, I debated it, and then I just decided to write my own um, RPG-like game engine. Okay, okay. Mm. You know, why do something simple when, when instead I could write uh, an RPG game <laughs> engine in, in 68K assembly? <laughs> that's uh that's you know what though that's 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 a very a very adhd thing to do and i love it yeah yeah it's just way too simple to to learn to use another product (laughs) so i'll just make my own from scratch yeah Yeah. okay so the original rpg maker on the ps1 i did put a few hours into that and i didn't really get anywhere i mostly just like played around with 
spell effects, you know, like, what do I want fire three to look like, you know, or fire two or whatever, you know, I got lost in the weeds, which is another ADHD yeah. thing to do. But I almost bought this game on the Steam Deck during the, win the winter sale, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen. So maybe the next time it goes on sale, I'll buy it. But fun, energetic track. And also, also, I feel like this is more of a Hugh track than a John track. Yeah. This one, I don't know. This this one's about 50-50. This one's kind of both of us. Mm -hmm. But but um, anyway, it's what we're going to leave you with. Uh, stick around for the outtakes afterwards. And we will see you in uh, June. Yep. Thanks for listening. One, two, test one, two. Test one, two. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Oh, no. Yeah, it's, 
I'm having the problem. Uh, okay, is that okay? You can hear me. Okay, all right, good, 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 good. And I'm doing a test here, and okay, so it looks like I thought I'd be brave, and I thought instead of using this horrible headset that I've been making you suffer through for the past several episodes, I would try using the good mic on both Audacity and and uh, Meet at the same time, and it seems like it's working okay. So. So I think we're probably going to be able to just do that right now. I'm checking, adjusting mic levels, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Ah. Sorry. That looks good. I'm sorry. Am I blowing you out? No, no. I'm just, ah, I just can't get my headset comfortable. Okay. I sound like hell, but whatever. You sound okay. Um, what do I want to open this with? <clears throat> I love the, I love how ri- ridiculous those transcripts are. Yeah, I, I look at them for a minute and then I'm like, oh, this is way off. Yeah. Well, I, so I was over at my uh, parents' house yesterday and, which I go see them maybe once every I, I see them once or twice a month, but they had this, we have this deal and I've, I've, I've probably said this to you before, but my relationship with my parents is so much more than this, but absolutely nothing less than this, that I fix their stuff and they buy me lunch. Okay. <clears throat> and so we had a project yesterday where I was getting a bunch of stuff out, out of their basement and throwing it away. And so they took me out to eat. Well, mom took me out to eat anyway, and we went to this El Salvadorian restaurant, which was really good. <clears throat> and uh, while we were at the table waiting for our food, uh, she was talking about how she accidentally had a text-to-speech uh, text program running, and it was screwing everything up. So I showed her. I let her see a little bit of our transcript, which okay. I thought was pretty great. There we go. It is now a proper show if I have incense going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So I, um, you know, what? give me just a second here to write like a little intro script. And I'm going to get my calendar up. I'm after last episode, I'm trying to do just a little bit more scripting. So, you know, we don't have as many mistakes and we don't have to redo a bunch of stuff. There we go. 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 Are you set? You ready or you good? Oh, I'm just typing a quick intro script so oh, okay. I don't have oh. to wing that. Oh, okay. Sorry. I guess I, guess I, miss, I, I uh, missed that. Yeah, no worries. Um, so is there any way, any particular way you want to present the theme? I mean, we're going to like music from houses and towns and stuff is what I was going to say. Yeah, but do you have yeah, a better way to say it? Yeah, that's exactly it. And anything that occurs in a house. Okay, anything. Because they're not that. all towns because like I, I picked a couple where it's like like mansions, you know, um, and, and, and I think you, you pick some, yeah, I mean, you know, Krusty's fun house is certainly not a town, That's which true. is a fun pick. I like, I like that one. The game yeah, itself yeah. is not very good, but I just lost my train of thought. No, sorry. I'll prop, I'll probably edit this out. Probably. Uh, let's see. So what was I going to say? Okay. Yes. Okay. So, and so listeners go to look at a YouTube video of the Intellivision masters of the universe game and watch the bomb drop. And it's just, the sound is ridiculous. It's so, it's like, and it goes like almost subsonic. It's incredible that the, the, um, 
AY38910 sound chip in the Intellivision could make that sound, but it's just, it's outrageous. I, I laugh out loud every time I play that game because of that sound. And so, yeah, basically your house is like a, a, a house of death. They're chasing you around trying to kill you with everything. I think including the kitchen sink <laughs> that they can throw at you. It's a it's a fun yeah, little level. I, I thought when I listened to so the track, I mean, the conceit the here is through, in the game. There's this kind of miniature overworld. Like we were on the street, fun house and you're trying to you're as you you're working. So the setup oh, is you're, you're working on your homework and you fall asleep, and then all the pages go flying out the window, and then you jump out the window trying to the catch them, and then you end up in the dream world, and you're the whole game is nothing but you chasing around uh, papers of homework, and so each stage. Uh, each stage, I, I lost my network connection here. I'm gonna keep talking. Uh, each stage is uh, basically the reward at the end is the homework. Let's see. Uh, no, I'm losing myself in trying to figure out my network here. Let's see if it's me. I'll pull up a web browser here. I am offline. Damn it. That was me. That was you. Yeah, well, the recording's still going. The, it, it didn't break the session or anything. Yeah, no, I kept the recording. I, yeah, I kept my recording going too. Okay. So. I thought you just ran out of steam. Um, I would, right as we dropped off, I was just mentioning that, that the music made me uh, think that this was taking place in um, um, like a Krusty's Fun House setting, which of course had a separate game. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, no, that, that was, no, I could see that. I could see that. But yeah, no. <clears throat> um, so now I got to think about what I was in the middle of saying when the connection went, because it went and then I kept trying to you, talk, but then I got too distracted by trying to reconnect. So. You just said uh, Simpsons house was like the last thing you said. <clears throat> okay. All right. So I'm just going to, you know what? I'm, we're going to just cut this whole thing out and edit, and I'm going to just repeat that whole thing. So. Reading the Wikipedia page for Fort Dodge, Iowa now, because I've never even heard of it until this moment. It is Stotts from Sword of Vermilion on the Sega Genesis, composed by Hiroshi Kawaguchi. So let's dig in. All right, three, two. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to do that again. So, so grab your frozen custard, your concrete mixer, and dig in. Three, two, one. I'll edit that to make it nice. If it if I can't if I can't make it nice, I'll throw the whole thing out. But I thought it'd be funny to throw a Culver's reference in. Sorry, there. My family group chat was blowing up. I don't know why. Oh no, that's no, that's okay. it's fine. It was nothing. I'm not getting any audio. What's going on? Can you you can't hear me or no, you can't hear the music? Uh, the music was too quiet. It's fine. Oh, okay. I right. turned it down too low for the previous from the previous songs. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's check it out. Uh, three, two, one. So I'll just warn. This is this is the time when I start to run out of steam. <laughs> like after about this is I'm the same way in meetings. Like after an hour, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go die now. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna have a little bit less to say about some of the later tracks, probably. 
Okay, I'll try to be. I'll try to rein in in a little bit. Um, I, I don't I know. The thing have that, on like ADHD or something, but yeah, after like an hour of anything, I'm just like, oh, hope we gotta move on. Well, I as one who is 99.9% sure I have ADHD as well, I trust you will know that I do not say this as, with any negativity whatsoever, but just observing you, I am very very convinced you do as well. Yes. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly fidgeting with stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you go off, look at downtown Fort Dodge. Yeah, I <laughs> do know? look at that. You know, it's mentioned. Someone yeah. mentions a town, I'm going to go look at it. And Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I say it as a uh, somewhere between negative and po- or somewhere as neutral and positive statement. I am almost convinced, almost 100% convinced you're ADHD. Um, and so am I. Okay. So let's, let's click the track back and then I'll bring us okay. in uh, pretty quickly. Okay. Yeah. So uh, three, two, one. Okay, and this is, uh, (laughs) okay, we get to use the sound of a million deaths out again. Okay, let's click it in three, two, one. I had scrolled, I had scrolled away. Okay, all right, here we go. I'll time it with the little piano melody coming in. I lost my train of thought again. God, I'll probably edit this part out too, but what was I going? It was, it was actually important. What I was going to say was actually important. So I kind of need to remember what it was I said, was going to say, God. Mm, God, I hate this. I'll give myself 60 more seconds to remember. Okay. And if I don't, we're going to move on. Early days of marriage, okay. Building a house. I don't remember. If it comes back to me, I'll interrupt myself to, to bring it back. But okay, so I'm editing that whole thing out. So bringing us back in three, two, one. Editor's note, I was actually going to do uh, Another Culver's and Fort Dodge joke here. That's what that's what I was blanking on. You know, we were talking about The Sims, the start of a new life, and I was gonna say, you know, maybe it's uh, down the street from Culver's. Maybe it's in Fort Dodge. I also love the fact that it was immediately after we said, let's see how many Fort Dodge and Culver's references we can sneak in that it never came up again in the entire episode. So apologies for the crappy mic, apologies for the noise in the background. You know, Wyatt said he would be quiet, but that has a very finite amount of time to it. So, and back to your regularly scheduled outtakes. This feels like, this feels more like you than me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's bring it in. Um, But, but, um, um, but, but, um, um, but, but, um, um, but, but um, um, but, but um, um, but, but um. Okay. Okay.
You ready or you good? Yeah, it does. Yeah, this is a pretty solid track. 